Hey there, welcome to the More Civil Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. Alright guys, welcome back to the show, and I'm your host, Marcelo. And um, I always do this every time I say I have a wonderful person on the show. But I really do have a special guest today. I think all my guests are special, but some more special than the others. Um, and this is a story that I've been willing to share for so long. Especially when I got to know about her and her mission. But life happened in between, and we'll talk a little bit about that, about her. Her name is Anoluapo Adelako. And um, she describes herself as first or servant of God, called to obedience, and to be a channel of healing to God's hurting children. She's a convener of the Notion tribe, which is the mechanism I knew her from, a woman and girls' rights advocate, a journalist and award-winning documentary filmmaker, working on issues affecting marginalized girls and women across Africa. So, you know, she's really a, a woman after my own heart because this is like, you know, prime, it's a prime deal right there. She's also a UNICEF Voices of Youth alumni, currenting youth fellow of the U.S. Consulate in Nigeria. She's won a lot of awards, you know, to the UN and UK Foreign and Commonwealth Office. Without further ado, everyone welcome um, Anu Oluwapo. As I'm going to keep calling her from now on, Anu to the show. And hello, ma'am. Woo! <laughs> <Standing>. <laughs> what, a, what a robust uh, repertoire so, you have right there. To get us started, I just want to say a big shout out to Yvonne, um, Yvonne Edolo too. Because that's how I met um, Anu. Yvonne had posted something on her WhatsApp status and I was like, oh, no shame conference. I'm like, that's all about my life right there. Like, you know, hashtag no shame. And I, mm-hmm. you know, in talking to her about like, what's this about? She's like, oh, actually, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be the MC. I'm like, say what? And then, mm-hmm. you know, she did the introduction and here we are. So thank you, Yvonne Adolo. So she's also the podcast host at the Beautiful Mind Podcast. Guys, go check out her stories. They're like, you know, amazing. All right. Um, I always do this and I'm just so stereotypical of me. And can you just describe your childhood, you know, growing up and what that was like for you? Okay. Um, I'd, I'd say my childhood was um, quite interesting. I had parents who did the most um i had a grandmother who was really involved in my life as well and um i i kind of had very good role models you know um growing up i i had a a rich family history as well of like strong women i was about saying that sounds like yeah, who had also, you know, um, blazed the trail during their own time. So I, I was born into a really good family. The family was really supportive. Everyone rallied around, you know, each other. And yes, yeah, so I, w- I was born into a really loving family. And what I, I love the most about my childhood is that um, you didn't need to tell us how to be or teach us like verbally the virtues that you know my siblings and I picked up it was more like we were seeing those things actually in action either from our parents or you know our grandmother 
like generosity, like empathy, you know. We saw all of those in action and it was more like, oh, this is who we are. Mm. We we learned by watching them do it. So yeah, that really characterized um my childhood. That's really um, good. That's really good. Because yeah. a lot of, you know, family structures do as I say but not as I do. To see that yeah. being exemplified in your you know, in your family structure through your grandparents mm-hmm. and your mom and all that. Was it a, was easy to grow into those virtues. Yes, yes. So um I'm just curious to know, so um you just your process as a whole. So I know you're a journalist and you mm-hmm. also produce film. Can you walk us through your path as to how you got started with that and what really basically for that passion for filmmaking and, you know, archiving stories. <laughs> so, um, this is this is a part of me that I, I really do not like to talk about, not because, you know, it's uncomfortable for me, but I always come across as a very unserious person. If I'm saying like, oh, <laughs> you really don't know what what you want for you yourself. As someone with this glowing thing, um, repertoire you have, it's kind of good to know that you're still you're still human. So I think it's gonna totally have the it's gonna have a totally opposite effect on me. But you know, go ahead. I'm just curious to know. Okay, <laughs> so um, I'm a very multi-talented person, mm-hmm. and while that can be, you know, a very good thing it can also be like a problem if you know one doesn't know how to handle it Mm. so um i started out actually going to study law for my undergrad and it wasn't until my third year while in the university the nigerian universities commission suddenly realized that my university was not accredited i had to either change my university or change my course and so I tried to change my university and that means that I had to go back to write like the university matriculation exam uh, which I did and I, yeah I wrote jam and when it was time for for me to check on my results they said I did not write jam they didn't have any records whatsoever of what? my of the exam and it's so funny because I actually traveled as far as Quara State to write yeah. that jam. It was my dad that took me to write that jam, and they had no record whatsoever. So it then became impossible for me to change universities that year. Mm. And so I, I then had to go back to the drawing table, like, okay, what's the reason why I, you know, I'm studying law? And, you know, it just boiled down to the fact that I wanted to be able to help women and girls uh, you know um, are from underserved communities mm-hmm. and you know that need to speak up for them especially with regards to their human rights so is there any other way I can achieve this without studying law wow. yes was the answer and that was how I switched to politics and international relations and yeah that really opened up my mind i think that law gave me these skills for critical thinking uh-huh. so by the time i switched to politics and international relations um it then like streamlined my interest because they were actually teaching courses on human rights on the un intercountry relationships foreign policy and all of that and yeah. i fell in love with it and yeah 
that was how I ended up doing that. So we're still not at the journalism part, mind you. Oh, I see. So, <laughs> <laughs> undergrad, I because of course while in fact right from time I'd always been oh the the child who loved drama who loved acting and all of that I used to have my own radio show while I was um, in primary school I, I had um, a radio a spare radio in the house yeah. and I would buy this empty um, radio tape <laughs> and I would record like hello everyone you're welcome to my show and I would play Jaru by myself I was the DJ <laughs> you were I the would- producer you were the director yeah. I would ask BBC Media Action, please. I would be all the characters and all of that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I knew that that was a talent. But by the time I, I finished, you know, um, my undergrad studies and I had done my NYSC and I was now in the labor market, it was it now boiled down to, okay, there were no direct jobs in terms of what I had studied. Mm. Um so it then boiled like down to politics okay. and international relations. Yeah. Right? Mm. So it, it then became okay. So what can I do while I'm waiting, you know, for that to happen? And while I was waiting, I just began to write. And so I I wrote some articles, like some editorial opinions, and um, I sent them to Bella Niger and like within 24 hours they reached out to me oh my god you're such a fantastic writer would you write a column for us how often do you want to write it you know and all that it was i got an offer immediately so um, they gave me that opportunity and then it was from there others began to pour in and then my interest in journalism then grew but with journalism i realized that um I'm not a fast-paced person when it comes to dealing with news and facts. And um, that's really weird because as journalists, we're supposed to be, you know, always up-to-date and current and all of that. Yeah. But I, I then realized that with me, I preferred stale news. I prefer- what does that mean? Like, you don't like the breaking, you know, sensational, breaking news, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. So that's not my kind of person. I, I, I do not want to be the one to break the news. I want to be the one to stand back, listen Capture to the, the process. Ah, I see, I see. Analyze it. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. Go back and ask questions. Yeah. And I realized that there was there was really no space Space for that. In a fast-paced, you know, new world. Well, yeah. yeah. And then you still have your passion because I was also running an NGO on the side from like... Oh, you busy lady, lady. <laughs> I was yeah, how old were you in all of this process? I want to just put things into perspective. <laughs> I it started when I was sixteen, so I started oh, wow. thing. So that had always been there, and I'd always been, you know, working with um, poor communities, yeah. the women and the girls, trying to know what their challenges uh, yeah. are. How was that what the NGO was all about? Like you know, for marginalized women and all that. Yes. So there was that. And I I know, I still know, I'm still very aware of the fact that it's something that I cannot do away with. So it was then, how do I marry all of this together? Mm. Fine. I can make documentaries that address underreported stories about women 
and girls. And so that was when I began to consider, you know, documentary filmmaking. Yeah. But I didn't have the skills mm. and I did not know where to learn, you know, the skills like in Nigeria. I mean documentary filmmaking because what you would have basically is filmmaking, but there's an art and there's like a, a scholastic approach. So also. Yeah. yeah, the structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. You, you don't get that from many schools mm-hmm. um, Nigeria and so someone just told me about the foreign and commonwealth shivning scholarship and I felt okay let me give it a try if I'm able to explain my vision well maybe these people might just give me a chance and that was what happened and then I I did my master's in journalism and documentary practice nice I ended up here wow see why I don't like to talk about it's such a long story no 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 but still like you know (laughs) This is good. I understand, like, it's been quite a journey, you know, yeah. and I feel like I am still evolving. Yeah. I'm still evolving, but the core of who I am really, you know, and my purpose and my passion, those are already understood. And I know that whatever it is I evolve into, those will always still be, like, the core of who I am. Yeah. Good. I mean, two things that I picked, thanks for sharing that, by the way, was... Um, multi-talented that's like a life of a multi-hyphenate and I totally relate with that it's like you just ideas you're never short of ideas one and you're never short of energy to like run with those ideas and those around you are just looking at you like what the heck you just started one thing and then it's another thing and you get bored easily all the time oh yeah yeah I mean honey been there I'm still living there but um, <laughs> I think there's a grace for that and I think the balance there is just to find people around that network that can help manage those energy levels because it can be quite draining sometimes. But, um, yeah. And I don't think, in sharing your story, I didn't see that part of not being serious. I think I admire the fact that even, for example, when your school, when you found out that your program wasn't, you know, heading that direction that you wanted it to end, like that combination of a degree, mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, sit down and be like, oh, I'm a failure, I'm just going to drop out, blah, blah, blah. You sat mm-hmm. down with yourself and you had that conversation of, okay, why am I in school? And mm-hmm. given how education, especially higher education, is such a you know prestigious thing, and to yeah. have that happen to you, a lot of people just have that shame about it, like you know, so they wouldn't even have that moment to like process and sit down. We let the shame like wallow in us, and yeah. you're like, you know what? What I want to do is to advocate for marginalized women. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I don't have to have a law degree. I'm glad I have this first three years of law school to kind of help me, you know, um, get like that structure for creative thinking, like you said. But I'm going to just you know go ahead and. And really do what I want to do. And maybe for you, that was what God needed to do. Yeah, you like, know, I, I, I know that. Um, I think what the foundation of all of this was, and that really helped me navigate, was that between me and God, we had already settled, like, this is your purpose. Mm. And so it was easy to find, like, other methods, you know, to express the purpose mm. it, have to be just one way and that's something that i'm still very much open to because yeah. as someone who is multi-talented they're also very versatile yeah. and i mean today you might find me doing documentary filmmaking <laughs> tomorrow i just might be on radio i've tried <laughs> i've been on radio too so it's just like whatever i do i just know that there there is the core essence of who i am and that will always shine through whatever it is that is so true that is so true and i think 
um, like I said, I think it's a God-given gift. And knowing that at the end of the day, our purpose is not just to evolve into something, right? In everything mm-hmm. we do, we're using our gift to like, you know, um, like serve God and others, you know. And less we make it about ourselves, like, oh, poor me, blah, blah, blah. You know, the more um, we, we, we come into that um, point where it's all going to be used for God's glory, whether we get to what our goals were or not. But we're focused on that. And for you to have that conversation with yourself, to know that, okay, I'm settled with God. He's got me. I think that's, you know, really, really commendable on here. Mm-hmm. I want to throw that out there. Um, and even your story, I think your, your story is just like, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I think what I really want to just recap is, for those that are listening, like, um, as you can hear, someone that was in law school and then, you know, three years into it is like, you have to either, you know, change your program all the time, you know, you do something else. I mean, those are real setbacks, y'all. Like, but see how all of that, God, God can use all of that. How much more what you might be going through. I think that the, the key here is that stay connected to a source that I hope is bigger than you as a person. And I hope it's going to be God because he knows how to. Because looking back, I don't think you could have, you know, written the script any better. I'm not trying to sound like very cute and funny right now. But you couldn't have just thought that everything you went through was going to bring to this point. And you haven't even gotten, you know, there yet. Because I still think that generally we're still growing, you know. There's always that room for development. So it's really encouraging. So let's talk about just the part of your biography that talks about, or yeah, your biography talks about no shame. Mm-hmm. Honey, um, I I will have given anything to be a fly on the wall when you had that event in July at the Sickle Cell Center because <laughs> this was just I mean I was I didn't I, I saw the lineup I looked at some of the speakers but I just liked the blog you had written about it and it was just to give space to people and finding their identity in Christ so I wanted to know can you tell us a little bit more about your No Shame Conference why it started and what your mission is in you know in other words so. Okay, so I like to say that God has different kinds of children and that there's some that, you know, like a parent would have like, okay, let's say a parent that has like five kids. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all going to come with their own different identities and temperaments yeah. for your parent and you're supposed to guide them and help them, you know, become the best versions of themselves. For me, um, it wasn't easy responding to a call to like convene a conference where like you know a conference a christian conference where people would come into and just find a space to be vulnerable and deal with issues that you know they're ashamed of or ashamed to tell anyone Mm -hmm. about who really wants to do that but you know what it was actually birthed from a process that i had gone through with Mm -hmm. god myself I didn't think it was going to end up with, you know, God asking me to convene a conference and call it no shame. In fact, when it happened, I wasn't excited. Because <laughs> it's, like it's like giving everything away, like the whole, the plot of the, what's this conference about? No shame. It's like, ooh, that's a, like a conversation starter right there. Yeah. <laughs> can, can we call it something else? Like, you know, becoming your own? No, no shame. Oh God, why? <laughs> <laughs> like, you really get it. You mm-hmm. really get it. It wasn't exciting for me, but you know what? I I wasn't in a in a good place like mm. for them. Mm. And the Holy Spirit had asked me to do something. There was a relationship I needed to break off, mm. like get out of the way. 
And it wasn't until I did that and came away with God on like a three-month recuperation process because that relationship really tried me. That I don't call it a relationship. It was a situationship. <laughs> I, it's worse when you think, oh, um, I'm in love with this person. This person is not in love with me. And yeah. then some form of um, like mental manipulation and verbal you know, abuse yeah. and all of that. And, and like, I think that that leaves you in a worse place than physical abuse because mm. for physical abuse you can see the injuries and which you is even worse exactly exactly yeah you can be in denial especially if you if you're someone that has ever had to do with mental health you know related mm. denial at first like wait what's mm. going on right here mm. you know and, um, and maybe it might spiral out of control and maybe it might not but mm. you find out some, somehow and you know that was what happened for me and that place and when by the time you know um, God was done walking through the process of healing and getting myself back and him reminding me of who he's made me to be and who yeah. I am it was no shame conference that came out so I wasn't excited it was more like <laughs> We just got out of something. What are we up to now? You and you have to share this with the world. Why your vision, like the vision behind it, and that's like being vulnerable in front of people. You understand, but I mean, the there was ah, God. Wow. It's just amazing the kind of things that people are going through and what people are ashamed of. I'm telling you, it might be so significant to you, but that might just be what what might be holding someone back. back yeah yeah and it's so important so it's so nice that you, i mean it's so wonderful that you mentioned that because just last week i had brought maureen on the show to talk about her divorce and all that and i have known her story for the longest time and so i told her like why now like you know and then you're a private like, private person she's like because i still carry some shame about it you I'm know is the truth, and I'm and I'm like it's funny she mentions that because number one I, I wouldn't I don't know what her experience must have been as far as you know living it through, but I do know that I too have some some remnants of shame that I hold on to, and I think as Christians sometimes we convert those shame to be seen, like hmm. we're, we're mistaking them to be sins in our life, and then we let hmm. the devil use that as a as a hold as a place hold to like yeah. draw us back. Fine, yeah. you made a mistake. You took a bad step. You disobeyed the voice of God, and you went down that rabbit hole that cost you loveless. And I want the church as a whole to keep living that to actually open more spaces for talks like this because we talk about you know the sovereignty of God, which is never going to change. We love that. I mean, that's one of the best things about being a Christian because whatever you're going through, it never really gets to that sovereignty of God. God is always going to be sovereign, but yeah. we just make that issue we're going through to it becomes the very substance of our lives it co- becomes the very things that we filter our lives through and, and I, i'm not trying to um you know sound all pretty here i'm actually talking to myself as well because shame was something that has held me back for so long and and in different areas of my life and until i started dealing with them i'm not completely out of the woods yet i won't yeah. lie that much but the big ones that i like for example you know not having a good relationship with my dad how shameful that was for me. And I'm thinking to myself, even looking now, like, what well, what did I do to actually cause that? You know? Mm-hmm. But it held me back like as far as confidence in certain areas in my life. Mm-hmm. And but I, I gave the devil like an opportunity to. So I always looked at myself then as a girl, like I wasn't one of those daughters girls and never had to you know, 
like my parental love was like half baked and seeing the world through yeah i mean and like so exactly like so what like and 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 maybe on a different level maybe those that have um experienced other kinds of like deep dark stuff Mm-hmm. It's like I think we should keep confessing our sins to one another as Christians, yeah. and, and, and just praying over one another, and just speaking yeah. life and speaking truth to it. Is how we can actually get rid of this feeling of of shame, and you know how it just you know sucks everything up. I always liken it to that bowel. You know when you kill the chicken, and you yeah. you have to carefully remove the bowel because if you don't, it's gonna you know burst through, and then the whole chicken is gonna be bitter. That's mm-hmm. how we let shame be. You know, yeah. just take it out. Like, fine, acknowledge it. Yeah, I was wrong. Yes, I made a stupid mistake. Yes, I knew I wasn't supposed to be in that relationship, but I did something. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't, you know. The interesting thing is, other people did okay. to you. Yes. So because for me, I I lived with as in, in fact as as far back as I can remember, maybe from when I was seven, I had lived with shame. Like I knew shame. She was mm. my. Friend. We went to bed together every night. Woke mm. up together mm. every morning. She mm. was there those days when you know. I, I was given opportunities and you know sometimes she would win sometimes she wouldn't but she was something she was a, a baggage that I carried around mm. and what happened I had been molested at age seven mm. by someone who was supposed to be you know looking after me and my siblings I'm so sorry and, to hear that well that's fine oh girl thank god for healing no really yeah. but you know, for 14 years I kept it to myself. And you, you see, the thing about shame is shame thrives in secrecy. That's it. It thrives yeah. in secrecy. And yeah. so what happened is that I didn't, I didn't mention it to anyone what had happened to me, you know, when it first happened at age seven. And so when other episodes came, it was like, okay, we're familiar with this. Just do what you want to do and just, you know, yeah. let me. And so yeah. there were several other people who then Took came. Took advantage of that, yeah. That and so it wasn't until like when i was um i must have been like 19 when i first spoke to someone about it i was shivering and just Mm. 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 i'm just grateful to god that i spoke to someone who she had been through that process and that's why it's really important for us you know that when we heal we help others. Heal. Others, yes, yes, yes. Yes, I agree. In knowing that someone has been through what you've been through. Mm-hmm. Because you know, she was even finishing some of my sentences for me. She knew. Mm-hmm. And that for the first time in my life, I heard somebody say, it was not your yeah. fault. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow, are you serious? It wasn't that my seven-year-old self was so that this um, uncle had to take advantage of it. It wasn't your fault. It was his mm. fault. He was supposed to be looking after you and he took advantage of you. It was mm. not, mm. you know, that was liberating. And that was a very huge feat for me. Mm. And then the next steps to healing. Mm. And so, yeah, you can carry shame along. You can, you can even become something you're so used to. And you will morph into something else. Exactly. Yes. I think research has shown that the brain naturally finds it easier to remember bad, yeah, bad yeah, yeah, and good stuff. Yeah, so you your your brain will keep reminding like, oh, that happened, and yeah. you know, every time that thought comes into your mind, you feel 
Oh my god, you you know, I don't know whether to call them butterflies in your tummy, but they're not the good butterflies. They're not the good butterflies. Almost like, let's call them the, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but you know that yeah. The butterflies gone rogue with claws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that feeling of shame. You can yeah. put me down in your tummy. And, you know, but you, now that I know better, I then begin to take like the conscious effort, like, well, something that happened yes now, now that i i know better i know how to handle it but nonetheless shame is something that you know would always occur the yeah. society aims us for different things at different points in time yeah you need to share stuff that you feel ashamed um, about yeah. Or ashamed yeah yeah you need to yeah. learn to share and it's good to build like a good support system around you yeah you know and always talk to that, you know, will be there to guide you. Like, oh, you don't really have to feel ashamed about this or ashamed of this. Yeah. But yeah, here we I are. I agree with you. I agree with you. And um, I really, I really commend what you're doing. I mean, from your, from that place of pain and what you went through as a child and turning all of that and using it to really encourage other women as well. I think that's really commendable. So keep up the good work. know that podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily for example in the u.s alone one in every three persons listen to at least one podcast every month well that's a lot of people do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal affluent and educated speaking of these retro qualities did you also know that on a monthly basis Thousands of people all over the world listen to the Mossible podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, event, or product you would love loyal, affluent, and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no further. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talktomore at mossible.com today. Or you can visit our website at www.mossible.com. That is www.mossible.com. So I know you just you lost your grandmother recently. Yeah. And once again, um, my condolences. So sorry for the loss. And what has that been like just um, navigating the death of someone that you're so close to? <sighs> so um, let me give you some context here. So my mom passed on four years ago. Oh, I didn't even know. You. I'm so sorry. Wow. That's, that's okay. And oh. you know, when she passed on, it was hurtful, but you know, like I said, my childhood, um, my grandma was really involved in my childhood, and you know, um, she just she treated everyone like we were all her kids. Mm-hmm. And so when my mom passed on, it was like my my big sister passed on. That was how we felt, mm-hmm. like oh, there's still a mother figure. But when she passed on, was well, like the last vestige of mother. Uh... Um, it was it was like a canopy that was over me, you know, mm. down yeah. and all of that. But I think um, one thing I learned from her life because, wow, my grandmother was a living legend. I do say so myself. Um, like I said, she led by example. Mm. She had an amazing career for 
for for her to have achieved all that she achieved during the time that she achieved it it was it was no small feat i mean girls weren't sent to school oh. when my grandma went to school and she was sent to school more like as a trial <coughs> by her like okay let's see what this one can do let's then have <laughs> thrived she really did very well you know got the federal government scholarships um got I mean, she really took advantage of a lot of good opportunities, ended up being an economist, um, did so well. She she worked in the federal civil service for so many years, represented Nigeria at the, you know, at UN conferences, African Union and all of that. Nice. Have been a career grandmother. And so, you know, she was a very good role model. But, you know, one thing I learned from her was um, no matter where she went, no matter how high she rose through the ranks, mm-hmm. as she really did, she always valued her family. That's good. Always, And you see, in a world where you're always asked as a woman, how do you balance family life? And, mm-hmm. and, and integrate, like they call it now, work-life integration. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call it anymore. What was the rest of that? She did it so well, but you know, she couldn't have done it without the rest of the family actually being as supportive as they were. And so she recognized that and she appreciated everyone for that. Apart from appreciating them, she she really invested, if I would say so, yeah, she invested in each and every one, you know, mm. around And she was a loving peacemaker. Oh, oh. my God. He was the one to end all the family. All the words. <laughs> oh, wow. her, her best, you know, slogan was "Let's give peace a chance." That was what she mm, always. Mm, mm, mm. What a what a heritage um, you 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 have, and uh, what a good example it seems like they've, they've from your mom and your grandma. And I can imagine that when she finally passed away, it was like you, maybe you really didn't get to mourn your mom because you had your grandma then. And it was not like okay. This is like this is the real deal, y'all. Like, I know I all to stop and acknowledge this pain that I feel inside of me. One one of the things that I realized was that I actually didn't deal with the emotions immediately because of the way everything happened. Yeah, I delayed the emotions. And why was that? Is that like a personality type, or was it just too much for you at once? I'm just curious, you know. So, um, I think it's my personality. Mm. Now that it has happened to me. You know, twice. The first was my mom, and so what? What really happens with me is that when something really tough happens, I don't react immediately. Immediately, yeah. Delayed reaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, my life. To make sense of what has happened, I also want to approach it from like the perspective of the word of God. But you see, in so doing. Um, I feel myself. Mm. I feel myself. The Bible says there's a time to mourn. There's a time it to laugh. Yes. yes. You understand? Um, I don't think that God is so wicked as to not recognize that, you know, we we are emotional beings mm. and that when things happen, mm. we need 
allow the emotions take their course. And so, more so, I was, you know, the main, the main planner, you know, of a funeral and all of that. And it took a while for us to do the funeral because um, a lot of people had to come from all around the world to pay their last respects and all that. It happened. It happened very. She was. I mean, I was with her that evening. Yeah, told me we chatted like that night. Like we're supposed to, you know, like. Um, I can't come on the show. My grandma just passed away in her sleep. I'm like, what? I just like, you know, yeah, yeah. We we were talking that evening, and I was I was telling her that you know we're talking about her drugs, like her medication rather, mm-hmm. and I was trying to set that up and you know all of that for her. And she was like, okay, my younger sister was there as well. And she was like, okay, you guys can leave me now. I'd like to. That's what she said. I want to rest. Please turn off the lights when you're leaving the room. And that was and a few minutes afterwards. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, stand up now and go to her room. And the moment I entered her room, I knew that she was gone. <laughs> and it was so hard to Do you think she knew? Like, people, did, did, did you think she sensed it? I think so. Because she was really weird that day. Well, mm. we just felt like oh, she was having just grandma. Mm-hmm. She went very peacefully, but you know, I, <laughs> but I mean, part of you wanted like to be here, like for as long yeah. as you can. Yeah, you know, all the plans I had. Oh yeah, yeah. So one of the things I'm really grateful for is that every opportunity I got to say thank you to her, I would actually really tell her like, "Wow, grandma, thank you so much for making." you know, this decision for us. Or thank you so much for advising our parents to do this for us. Thank you so much. I I and I used to tell her that I love her all the time. Yeah. I used to keep her all over her face. Oh. <laughs> so like my best friend was the like everyone that knows and knows and knows grandmother. Mm. You, was like like that she would always show up and cheer me on and all of that. And one memory that really stands out for me mm-hmm. was um, I was awarded with um, the U.S. Consul General's Award. Mm-hmm. And she came. They said we could bring, you know, one person. Mm-hmm. And I brought her. And because I had won an award, I was, you know, allowed to give a speech. And I, I used the speech to say how much she influenced me to care about the community mm-hmm. and people like me because that's who she really was. Mm-hmm. And everyone gave her, like, a standing ovation. If I couldn't do so much for her, like buy her the cars I thought I would buy her and take her on the holidays and that all of that. Deserve, yeah. Well, she wasn't really interested in traveling anymore. Being that, say, yeah, I was about to say, I think the you've, you've paid her enough by just going on because a part of your work is an extension of you know who uh-huh. she was, and there's no monetary payment because when mothers or in your case grandmothers do things, I mean, still the matriarchal line. They don't do it to, you know, one payment. They want to see that, okay, you made something of it. And you're living your life, living your best self guided by God. I think that's the best form of payment you ever give her. So her legacy still keeps going on. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I thank God for her life. I miss her so much every day. Mm -hmm. And I also thank God for, you know, the opportunity to have gone through all the emotions that I went through. Because um, having delayed those emotions, it dawned on me after her funeral the gravity of what had happened yeah yeah so one of the things i carry as shame for me is um pregnancy loss and battling with fertility issues mm-hmm. and um and and which stems from so many of my insecurities around some other things mm-hmm. and um 
some days are good, some days are bad, because I just see myself as someone that has felt at something. And I say that to bring out my next question to you, which is about grief. Mm-hmm. You know, grief grief is something, as you know, it's not, let's, we're done, you know, control X, let's close it now. Mm-hmm. It's like, you've thought you've, you've gone past this now, but then it's like new emotions, maybe something that reminds you of that person or just you know a, a memory a, a thought or something and you're back to square one again so what has helped you i think that's what i'm trying to say what has helped you at least you know um recognize that loss but at the same time knowing that the best form of which like you know keep this person's memory alive is to keep going on because that was that's what they want you to you know do not be sad and all the time and let that you know engulf you what has really helped you cope you know with these losses in your life Okay, so um, there are absolute truths that I live by, and one of them is that God is good irrespective, and that his plans for me are always good. Mm. That is an absolute truth that I live by no matter what. Mm. Sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to just hold on to it, like, wow, are you kidding me? Like, even right now, do I still believe this? But yes, I do. Yeah. And you know what what has you know what that has helped me do, especially with regards to dealing with the loss of um of a loved one, is that I've come to realize that even me, one day I will leave this place. Mm. There is no one who's going to be here forever. And I look around me and I'm like, one day each one of these people will not exist anymore. And that's a fact. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've I've come to terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've come to terms with the fact that um, it's it's painful when you lose people. You want them to be here. You too, you want to be here forever and all of that. But with time, you heal. But it's not a wound that heals up completely. Mm. But anytime, you know, um, there's an allusion to that, to that, you know, pain of grief, you can just always console yourself that, you know what? Um, made up one day. Yeah. yeah. Everything yeah. needs to be fine. And yeah. so that's, I, I, if you notice, I did not say that, you know, um, when my grandmother then passed on, it was like, we opened another one. No, it wasn't another. It wasn't like we went back to like poke our, our fingers in the wound of losing my mom. This was another encounter. It was a separate one. Okay. I feel like you'd never, you never forget this thing. You never okay. forget. You only learn to live with it. Okay. Learning to live with it, you learn to accept it as part of life. Okay. As something that is is out of your control, yes, but it doesn't have to make you miserable. Yeah. And so when I'm at a wedding and I see a bride dancing with her mom, for instance, mm. I bust out. I don't know when that is going to stop, but yeah. that's what I can't help it. Mm. When I see someone's mom praying for, you know, for them, yeah. I cry. And maybe this is why everybody's mom is my mom now. What all my <laughs> Everybody's is my mom because I'm like, well, I mean, you pity a motherless baby here. Yeah. Just share your mom, you know? Yeah. So that's something that, you know, you learn to to live with. And I really thank God for his word 
because there's no amount of sorry anyone can tell you, but there is the word of God that is sure to comfort you. Yeah. I know that one scripture that you know really helped me go through my grandma's loss was um I can't remember the exact part of the Bible it is, but the scripture says that God is close to the brokenhearted. Yes, it yes, really yes. Comforted me because I felt like okay, yes, this has happened. Mm-hmm. Moments of grief are also very vulnerable moments for you know the devil to chip in and you know throw a tea party. Yeah, a party, party, a pity party. Yep, yep. It's all about mm-hmm. me, me, me. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, and there's also the tendency for you to make mistakes when you're mm-hmm. not in a good place. You can mm-hmm. Make really bad business decisions, mm-hmm. really horrible decisions something that is not the pain that you are feeling mm. so um it, god god has to be in the detail yes god has to be in the detail of you know of the grief you can't go through grief alone, alone. yeah yeah alone and, and even and i mean god, I, god and then i think some community of, of you know, that's all and I, love, I love that god expresses his love through other people yeah. around the most random people call me up to check on me mm. like people that I, I didn't expect to do all of that and they were calling me like all the time there were people mm. who were like can you send me on an errand I'm here for you you know mm. and, and you know as the days go by there's still that support even though it has waned down now because you know when it's time for the funeral like, oh just call me anything you need I'll be there for you yeah. but people have their own lives to live they're not yeah. But even as the support has going down, just the very little that is left is still very strong mm. and you know, just what I need. So, yeah. yeah. Anyways, thanks for sharing that. Um, quickly, last question. Um, where, <laughs> where can people find you and learn more about your work and all of that jazz? Oh, thanks. That's so sweet. So, everywhere on every, well, not every social media platform, but like, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I think that's about it. Wow, I feel so archaic. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, man. You know, I was on I was on Snapchat for like Snapchat for like a hot minute. I was like, nope, this is not my style. Out of here. Mean, kudos to those who can keep up. But I mean, I'm just um, on these three, and it's Anwadi Lakon. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap it up? Because I'm I'm done with your questions, and you know. Okay, I think that um, one thing I like to, you know, share with people is that um, it's it's really interesting um, what can happen when you understand your why, um, your purpose on earth. Yeah, it seems like an overflowed issue, but it's such an important, you know, um, founding block of life. Because from there you can stay like the rest, like every other thing in terms of your career, your finance, your relationships, your aspirations and ambitions. It's really important. That's one thing I always just, you know, like to tell people, like, just make sure you've got that, you know, covered. And then the other thing and which I have come to learn and which I'm still learning is that um, there's nothing you can ever do that would separate you from the love of God. Uh, uh. It's 
something that I still find struggle with. Like, good luck trying to convince me on that. I mean, I know it's true, but what is that? Trust me, I try to convince myself about it. Like, there's there's really nothing. Does it mean that we should take God for granted? Absolutely no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, just to know that there's someone who loves you the way you are, girl, with all your flaws, and we are deeply flawed. We know this. And someone just loves every tiny bit of you, knows every, cares about every tiny bit of you, and there's nothing you'll ever do to separate you from his love. It's just so amazing. There's sometimes I could just think about it and I, I just cry like, why do you love me so much? Jens are like, especially when you're actively dealing with shame and, you know, and just feels like, oh, you're not good enough. Because that's what shame does. Shame says, oh, you're ugly. You're not good enough. You're a bad person. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I should also mention this because I didn't mention this when I was talking about shame is that shame and guilt are actually not the same thing even though they feel like the same thing and people no. think that oh, shame, guilt shame is to what sorry I didn't hear that shame is to what destructive behaviors yeah but guilt is okay guilt is usually like maybe to that point of repentance I think exactly it's like yeah. a con- yeah, yeah. yeah. shame is shame is just you know it's like you're going off base like come on right yeah. yeah, like you're just a write off, yeah. and the guilt says, "Okay, you did this." Shame says, "You are this," but guilt says, "You did this, and you can correct this." You know, so yeah, um, just ah, just hold hold on to this. You know, just this few thoughts before we came on the scene. So yeah. just yeah. leave your life the best, leave your life the fullest. Yeah, and find a community of people that can speak life to you. Find somebody to talk to. For those that have, you know, undergone any form of abuse, be mm-hmm. physical, emotional, um, sexual, whatever nature it might be, find mm-hmm. someone to talk to. And, um, um, you know, because once you confess, you find that even saying it, you, you're giving life to, like, you're almost like cracking a door in that yeah. little space that you've held buried for so long. And it's not as hurtful or as bad as before. And the more you keep talking more about it, because... A lot of these things we internalize, it's not because of, we don't cause them most of the time. Maybe we might enable them, especially yeah. if it's a situation where you were, you were one and you just went, you know, either ways. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we're not even the cause of it. Like, what do you, how do you explain a child being molested? Like, did they, what, what would they have worn or what would they have said to have mm-hmm. attracted that kind of horrible experience? And then mm-hmm. that, you know, perpetuates into adulthood and, you know, having a lot of issues carrying out, carried on from that. But why should shame come with that, you know? And so find someone to talk to. I hope this serves as a reminder. This episode serves as a reminder that you're still precious in, in God's eyes and he wants to use all of that. If I anything, Anu's story should be like a way to encourage you that it's okay. It's okay. What, what you went through breaks God's heart, but it's also breaking his heart more that you've held yourself so back. So you've held yourself this, you know, this backward for a while because of what you've gone through. So I hope mm-hmm. that you'll be set free from that. And, um, once again, I don't think so a lot. Really appreciate your story, and um, I do wish you the very best with all of your projects and with your, you well, know, you your documentary as well. Yeah? Thank you so much. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear that. Sorry. I said thank you so much. I wish you the best in your own projects as well. You're thank such you. a role model. You should oh. be. <laughs> 
um all i all i am i owe to god but thank you thank you thank you so much i i i appreciate that comment and it means a lot to me hearing that from you because i know we haven't really talked a lot we just interacted you know off and on thank you so much so sisters, I feel like we connect. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't have any sisters, so I'm glad to take that. <laughs> yes, yes. I see I see a lot of me and you. It's very what you do and you know, just you know, keep going and keep going until anyways, guys, you heard it from Anu and um talked about shame, her process as well, and grief and purpose on earth. If this episode really resonated with you and you'd like to, you know, talk to Anu specifically about some of the things she talked about. Feel free to find her on Facebook. Um, and on what's your um, Instagram handle again? Anua Delacon. There you go. And I'll put that on the show notes as well. And you can also reach out to me if you don't remember all of this. And I can definitely do the introduction. Would that be okay, Anu? Yeah, that's fine. All right. All right, guys. Um, this was the show. Thanks all for listening. And I remain your host, Masil, and catch you guys on another episode of the More Civil Podcast. All right, sis. It's spoke a word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life in me you have been so so kind to me